0: Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger.
1: So, Evan, is the game plan to just not shave until the Red Wings win a game?
0: I'm going to look like Tom Hanks in Castaway. (laughs) It's getting so bad and greasy i I think there's a small bird that lives in my beard like (laughs) it's 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 time to go i'm really feeling the full effects of this lockdown right now i need a haircut and i need a barber to shave my face
2: yeah it's actually your cat that's living in your beard believe it or not
0: i would also believe that
2: careful with uh uh, not shaving your beard for a long time because someone will eventually grab a picture and plug it into a racist cartoon me app and turn you into a most wanted at an airport something god i every time i look at that i get more and more angry <laughs> i want to know who coded that
1: it's funny you mentioned that because um i saved that image to my phone for future use obviously and like i'll open up my pictures and there'll be a bunch of pictures of my kids and stuff and then there's just that <laughs> horrifying thing in the bottom.
2: Okay. It's insane. They turned you guys like Evan looks like the a prince from like Rapunzel or some like Disney princess movie. You are literally, Brad, you are literally the dad from inside out. They turned <laughs> me into a caricature of what they think every brown man in this world is. It is it doesn't <laughs> even it didn't even apply the same effects. For you guys, they turned you into cartoons. For me, it's like <laughs> A courthouse sketch by the world's most racist courthouse sketcher, and I wasn't even—I was just a person watching what the the court case. I wasn't even on the stand. Yeah, I you're on the a defendant.
0: list for sure.
2: It's like I was the judge.
1: It's not just him. We're in the same picture, Evan. You are aware. We are probably
0: now on the same list. That's true. We're not as high on like the deck of cards of the wanted list, but we're we're on there.
2: <laughs> you're adjacent. Oh man, yeah. I love an engaged listener base, but just the funny things that it brings up is just like, sometimes you're like, what's this started six years ago in a basement. We just wanted to talk about Alexei Marchenko. Now, <laughs> now it's this. <laughs> oh, Remember man.
1: when Alexei Marchenko was our biggest problem as a fan?
2: I, I think about that so much. Every time <laughs> I watch the power play just collapse, I'm like, I miss when we cared what Alexei Marchenko was doing on the ice.
1: Collapse isn't the right word for the power play. Collapse means something was there and then it fell. It, <laughs> it's a giant gaping hole is the power play. There's nothing there. There was never anything there. It's just this void space somewhere in the world.
2: It's funny because today the Red Wings went 0 for 3 on the power play and I actually thought, huh, they did better today on the power play.
1: Yeah, there was a chance. Bobby Ryan just missed the net
2: <laughs> on a little tuck play. Well, we'll get into all that in a moment, but first, uh, let's introduce us our- introduce ourselves. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. My name is Ryan Hanna.
0: I am Brad Crisco, and I am Evan.
2: There's Evan. Uh, today on the podcast, we are going to be recapping the Red Wings' three most recent games since the last time we spoke. Uh, one against Dallas, which. Can't wait to forget that one. And then the two most recent games against Florida, one of which ended uh, not an hour ago. Uh, We'll be talking about uh, Red Wings updates from overseas, players like Valeno, Sider, Berggren, uh, things that are going on around the league. And I see a note here for me to rant about NHL TV because I think it's been a little while since I've done that. So just in case anyone uh, got to be not annoyed by me for a little while, I'm going to bring that up again. Actually, I want to do that now. No. Oh, fine 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 (laughs) let's not lose the
1: listeners four minutes into the episode
2: (laughs) (laughs) all right here we're gonna talk about stock seat no i'm kidding um i'm not a millionaire
1: yet so i was
2: lied to this week the day you're a millionaire brad you're not logging on and we all know that yeah
1: exactly i'm here
2: the meme stonks have
1: failed me like i mean i'm up my i've made money so far but like i haven't had enough to retire i feel like promises weren't fulfilled (laughs) (laughs)
2: brad went to the bank yesterday to get rolls for his pennies uh man all right let's talk about the red wings Uh, let's let's jump back to the especially painful part and and rip off the band-aid um someone tweeted out they're like i love listening to episodes like a few days too late because some takes age like fine wine and then you have this and it was me saying well the red wings lost to the stars but at least they didn't get rolled it was only (laughs) 2-1 cue the next game Seven three lost to the stars. Oh boy.
1: yeah, that uh'll be overly negative to start because the last two games we actually have a lot of positives to take from, so uh, I'll just start by saying that score finished seven three, and that score was three goals probably better than the Red Wings deserved. They generated a half a goal. Uh, expected goals on five on five that game which means they would have been lucky to get one so they were unbelievably lucky to get three uh their penalty kill sucked their power play sucked their even strength play sucked their goaltending sucked their defense sucked and especially their offense sucked i really don't have much to offer from that game in terms of in-depth analysis a because i tried to push it out of my brain as soon as it ended and uh B. There weren't really many positives at all to take from that game.
2: Tyler Bertuzzi um, upgraded his deflections and front skill to batting the puck out of the air around a defender. That was pretty cool.
1: Yeah, that was nice. I, I I think it was literally the episode before I was talking about their power play strategy being bad point shot into traffic. Hope Tyler Bertuzzi finds it. It's worked more often than it should have. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah. Like at this point, it's we've said it before. The only time the power play has really been effective has been when they've gotten lucky, um, and so yeah, you might as well do that. There's going to be so much on the power play today. Don't let me forget to bring up the Blashow's comments as well, Brad, because there's that one line that just drove me up the. To-
1: yeah oh oh, yeah i know i know the one you're talking about you don't even need to tell me
2: yeah but yeah so, it, it, yeah
1: and who'd have thought the power play would have went downhill from that game <laughs>
2: <laughs> at some point rowan tweeted out like just on his own he said if the red wings score a power play goal uh the at winged wheel pod follow us on twitter by the way uh at winged wheel pod will give away a shirt to one of our uh follow one of their followers and i quote tweeted it and i was like yeah <laughs>
1: Cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> from it's, that
2: point until now, there was not a single power play goal.
1: It was um safest bet we ever made.
2: And we didn't yeah, even I mean, I we didn't even sad. have
1: anything to gain from it.
2: And we still won. I, I wanted to give away T I love giving away podcast t shirts, but no, it's that game just that that game was like Dallas had their first game and I was like, all right, let's put the foot on the pedal a little bit. And just, mm. this is what we got out of it.
1: Yeah, they put the foot on the wrong pedal.
2: They absolutely did. Um, yeah, that was it. It, it got to 7 3 so fast. Because what was it? It was like, um, yeah, it was 4 3 with uh, t- 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 like five minutes left in the third or something like that. And then if three goals in the last five minutes. And the
1: wheels on the bus are coming off, coming up. Uh, we're going to talk about it later in the Florida game, but I want to get it out of the way now because when it happened, I saw a lot of criticism for Blashill. And believe me, I'm the first one to pile on Blashill whenever he deserves criticism. But he was getting on for pulling the goalie. I think he was down by two with like four minutes left. No, I'm a thousand percent with him on that move. And he did it again against Florida and it damn near worked. You um, have to do it. The, this team struggles to produce offense at five and five. They are dead last in the entire NHL at uh in expected goals at five on five. They need every bit of help they can get. And I understand, yeah, well, he can give them better systems. Uh, you're right. But like in this instance... Pulling the goalie with three, four, five minutes left down by two with the team he has in front of him is the right move. I've maintained this for years and he's been doing it for years because he's had better offenses than this, but they were still bad. So you really think this version of the Detroit Red Wings is going to pile two goals in in the final minute and a half of the game, even at six on five? No chance none zero he's got to give them as much runway in this circumstance as he can and honestly it didn't even come close to working in the dallas game fine that's going to happen they lost the game seven three instead of six three who cares uh but it damn near worked against florida today they did get a goal out of it and they did produce a couple more chances out of it and florida never put one in the empty net and i think grice came out with just under four minutes left so again i i've I'm upholding my promise of every time I see Blashill do something good this year. I'm going to point it out because I'm trying to be as fair to him as possible. This is one of the things I fully support.
2: Yeah. People who really worried about goal differential or everything like that. It's like there's no point, man. Think about how this season is going to track. Like we know where the Red Wings are going to end up. You need to have games where Mantha scores a late goal, which is important for him to be scoring goals, and the team has a proof of concept that with sustained offense and high pressure, which, by God, it's so nice to see them do that at the end of the game like they did today, it can turn into something. Will it always come to fruition? No. Will you have a lot of 7-4 finishes? Yeah, sure. But honestly, whether the Red Wings lose 6-4 or 7-4 or, or whatever else to the Stars, I don't really care at the end of the day if all those came by empty nets. Nobody's fooled. At the end of the day, Gary Bettman doesn't look at the standings and go, Red Wings are last, but now you're extra last because you lost a bunch of those games with three empty net goals. No, it doesn't matter. You need to be doing those things. And yeah, a lot of credit to Blasio. That's one thing I think he does right, even more so than coaches around the league. Um, He gives the team a chance and he he does the right thing to try to generate that offense. What do you want them to do? Roll over and accept a two-goal loss? Like, No, there's no point to that. It's not... It, treat it all like a playoff game you're not going to get playoff games this year so treat everyone like a playoff game you may as well
1: yeah and he and he put out all the right guys in the situation i don't remember exactly who was deployed against dallas but in florida it was a steady stream of mantha larkin ryan Horosi, Nemesnikov. like it was the right personnel decisions they played the entire final four minutes i mean you can argue that nielsen's line and Filip and got way too much run way in the from 10 minutes left to four minutes left fair believe me he's not great at the whole player deployment as a whole just yet, but hey, whatever. It shit happens when you're down by two goals and four minutes left. Your statistical odds of winning that game are next to nothing anyway. Yolo, go for it. Who cares?
2: Um. So moving on to the the first Panthers game of the series, um, series. I keep calling them series. I hope everyone knows what I'm talking about when I say that. Uh, Friday night. No. Friday. Yeah. Friday night. Saturday. was it friday saturday night yeah saturday night uh the red wings actually scored three goals as opposed to the panthers um, two but lost the game um, that's because oh, one of detroit's ah, goals. yeah yeah i'm sorry danny de uh it was the first yeah it was the first goal he opened scoring by uh crashing the net and bearing the puck on his own goalie which was <laughs> look I'm rooting for Danny DeKaiser to again, like he's he's had a rough go of it the past couple of years, but wow, what a what a capstone on what's been a rough start to the season for him.
1: Yeah, DeKaiser, he's that guy. You can tell in his head and what he's trying to do, that he's trying to make the right play. He just can't. He is the definition of all brain, no tools. Yeah, Yeah. he just his skating looks as bad as it's ever have, which leads to him panicking and struggling to cover on plays like that, because that's one if he's a step ahead of the four checker and he's in a better position with a better angle, he's not even in a position where he's risking deflecting that into his own net. Um, But he's behind the play because he can't keep up with the play and stuff like that happens. He was on the ice with Mark Stahl at the time, which you knew was going to lead to a goal. And it was very soft coverage by Stahl and his guy as well. Just a complete collapse by both of them. And it is what it is like. It's frustrating because, like, not not to to bring a meme back to life, but you look at a guy like Madison Bowie who had all the tools but none of the brains, and then DeKaiser's the polar opposite of that. Bowie has no idea what to do, but when he does it, it works. DeKaiser has every idea what to do, but he just – he's a step behind. He can't do it. He almost trips over himself. He almost fumbles the puck. Like, yeah, he's probably rustier than anybody else because he hasn't played since – before this season, since October 2019, So, uh, believe me, I'm not trying to pile on the guy. He's got every excuse. Um, But this isn't exactly a new issue for him. It's just been exacerbated by the circumstances.
2: Yeah. Um, Other than that, the game did kind of progress in a way. that was looking up for Detroit. Mantha and Bertuzzi both got on the board. Bertuzzi played 40 minutes and left the game from an injury that he actually sustained in the previous Dallas game. Sorry. And uh, really, for that guy to... (laughs) Get injured in the Dallas game, score in that game, score in this game, and then leave. Like, It's not he will become a fan favorite. Bertuzzi is a fan favorite, and for good reason. I hope when Nielsen leaves, Bertuzzi gets the A. It gets also, the, a. the guy's just a warrior. It's also a contract here. <laughs> it's very much a contract here. But so was last year. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And he had a great year last year. So, yeah
1: how that works. Just keep him on um, one year contracts forever and ever.
2: <laughs> honestly, Adam Lascaris messaged me about Bertuzzi. He's like, Bertuzzi's not like a an elite guy, but he's just good. Like he's just good and he's always there. I'm like, that's it. Like nobody's saying Bertuzzi's a perennial all, all-star, but he just he knows how to play with the elite players and he just works his ass off and has the right amount of skill where that translates into something. Like he just does so many things right on the ice. It's just when everyone else sucks, he always seems to be one of the very few guys that's still doing it right out there. Oh, you yeah. gotta love him for that.
1: You could easily make a case; of he's been the Red Wings' best player this year, like full stop. Like you don't yeah. need to qualify that with anything else. Not, not better than he's been better than Larkin. He's been better than Mantha. He's been eh, Zadina made a case, but Bertuzzi's played more, so we'll give it to Bertuzzi. Maybe Stutcher. Maybe yeah, not, not not Bernie or Grace anymore. Not after the last few games, but. Yeah, that's that's what you want to see from him, at least, so no complaints there. Um, It was nice, though, in that Saturday Night Florida game. The Red Wings, I mean, they're still the Red Wings, so when we say they played great, I mean, it's not going to be a masterpiece of a game. They're still going to struggle, but they kept uh, the shots pretty even with Florida. They kept the chances pretty even with Florida. The possession was pretty even, so not that they deserved to win that game running away obviously it's disappointing they lost it in overtime but they probably deserved a better fate than they got and it was nice because you start we started to see some pro- progression from some players mantha finally started to look a bit more like mantha which I'll we'll get into him in a minute um you know larkin wasn't his best game but he had his moments larkin looked light years better today um stetcher had a fabulous game. The play on Bertuzzi's goal where he absolutely broke Anthony Duclair's ankles at the blue line was just masterful. Just he's the only player on the team capable of making that play. Like, I mean, literally, physically, nobody else could do it. Um, And he executed it to perfection. But the one guy that I want to talk about from that game and uh, carried in today's game, the guy in my mind who with that performance Last night, and then coupled with today, should have cemented and hopefully has cemented his role as a full-time Detroit Red Wing for the rest of the season
2: is Taro Hirose. Darren Helm.
1: (laughs) Don't don't ruin a part where I'm trying to actually be happy, Ryan.
2: Say it again. Say it again for the people who I cut off. Taro
1: Hirose. Yeah. Now, let me preface this by saying, because I had a few people ask, tell me to calm the hell down on Twitter because I was pumping his tires pretty heavily on Saturday. Let's be clear. If Taro Hirose was on a Stanley Cup contending team or a pretty good playoff team, at best, at best, he's a third-line winger who's capable on the second-line power play. I'm aware of this. Relative to the Detroit Red Wings, he's their best option on the power play currently in terms of the setup man. And at five on five, he's a top six forward. Full stop. He's His zone entries are clean. He doesn't panic with the puck. He looks for his outlets. It doesn't always work because he's small and not the quickest. That's going to happen. You got to take the go with the bat and it's fine. But he set up Manta for what should have been a goal. Every good chance Detroit had on the power play that game was Tara Horosi was directly involved in. And I think he, yeah, he was the one who actually set up Anthony Manta's goal with a nice little read of the play on the half wall. I don't care that he's not that quick and I don't care that he's going to lose 90% of the 50, 50 puck battles he's in on the boards. He is one of the six or seven best forwards on this team right now at worst. And like, the power play struggling as much as it is just the fact that this guy looks competent on the power play. He's not revolutionizing the position on the power play, but he looks good at it. He's making passes through seams. He's moving his feet along the half wall to change the angles. He's looking for his options all over the ice. He is their best power play option right now. Um, once he develops a shot, because there, there's still way too many shots he passes up that he should take he could be a really sneaky, good power play guy in this league for a long time. Cause like the only reason he's not much of a, uh, like a consistent threat on the power play. I'll say I'll use that word is because he looks off too many shots and, and the you could tell Florida was playing him that way where he would circle to the high circle on the left half wall and walk in and they'd give him the room because they knew it wasn't coming probably. And it rarely did, but yeah, I'm, I don't unless he literally goes on like a five game cold streak. There's no reason to pull this guy out of the lineup, and there's a couple other players that we're going to say that about too. But uh, I think Hiroshi gets the exclamation mark on that point.
2: Yeah, when Hiroshi came up to the league initially, he had that fun little run where uh, he seemed to produce with the worst anchors as line mates. And the the thing with Hiroshi was this guy it was a fun creative offensive player in college and that's what has translated to the nhl funny enough and i I think you touched on this brad you're not going to expect him to move the world you're not going to expect him to be a, a top line forward through and through on five on five but if you hone in on his offensive ability and what we've already seen which is the ability to slot into a power play with established really good talented players and he walks in and plays as naturally as that and in a big slump like they have right now slump might even be generous um in a big slump even improve that power play that is a great sign that yeah Hiroshi's not a flash in the pan there is something here it's going to take working and it's going to take really deliberate deployment and it's going to take patience because I think he will have five game cold streak spread
1: no he's I, going I, I, to
2: but like I mean like they'd have to be catastrophically bad
1: like he's the di- at direct fault for like multiple goals
2: Yeah, I I think as long as we're not expecting, you know, 50, 60 point seasons from Taro Hirose, but rather a guy who you when you're leaning on just that one skill, which is his offensive creativity to spark life into an otherwise stagnant power play. Yeah, he has a place and I, I, I agree 100% he should be on this team. Um, and I might not have said that at the beginning of the season because he was really uninspiring before, uh, after his initial like first five games or whatever it was in Detroit a couple of years ago, I I wasn't really moved by him, but I think it's a deployment thing. A lot of it's confidence. It's hard to jump into the NHL and and not skip a beat. I don't think anyone really does that after the NCAA, but, um, whatever he did in the AHL seems to have worked to kind of fine tune some things. And yeah, he, he stepped in and he's been like, he's genuinely been a pleasure to watch. Cause by God, does that power play need literally anything good right now? Yeah, it's, it's great for Hiroshi that we're saying this, but holy shit, is it bad for a power play when the best thing about it is Taro Hiroshi? Yeah, it's not a slight on him; it's a slight on the team.
1: Yeah, and a lot of times we we talk about players that we like who are bottom of the lineup players. Like again, when the Red Wings are good, if Hiroshi's on this team, it's probably on the third or fourth line. Like I understand that. Um. But then, like, the coaching staff just completely disagrees with us, and it doesn't matter. Not the case here. In that Saturday night game, uh, Hiroshi got bumped from the second power play unit to the first power play unit. Once the first power play unit was the first power play unit, which is which is something else we'll get into. But he got promoted to the first power play unit, and when Bertuzzi went down, it was Hiroshi who took his spot on that top line. Like, Blashill saw this, and he was following suit. And then Horosi started in the top six again today against Florida. So he's being rewarded for his play. So it's not just like, oh, he made a couple good plays and we're just overreacting to them because reasons, because we have every nothing else to overreact to. No, he's played well. His five on five play has been adequate. He hasn't been a defensive liability. He's had good zone entries. Yeah, he's not really going to be a huge threat consistently at five on five, but he doesn't have to be. That's the thing. That's why you have Zadina, Fabry, Larkin, Mantha, Bertuzzi, etc. Bobby Ryan. Rossi's sup- is depth scoring. So he's got two points in four games. Half a point per game. That's amazing depth scoring. Great. I'm happy. I'm thrilled.
2: Yeah. Uh, the Red Wings did end up losing that game predictably to an OT winner from someone who scored their first NHL goal, which is a tradition of ours uh alexi happen which sounds like a uh, as if we asked evan to name a fake Finnish hockey player that's the name he came up with i
1: was, uh, I was gonna say a fake std but yeah yours is more pg <laughs> um
2: yeah that, that wasn't a loss where i'm like oh man Detroit really deserved to win but i was like it's tough because that was one of their better games Especially after watching the Dallas series, so unfortunate that that's the way it shook out. Uh, if, Glenn you're a, if
1: you're a if you're a pro team tank with progression, this was the perfect weekend for you. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> Although I don't know how anyone can be team tank after not getting Lafreniere last season. Like I, I, I don't know if you guys you guys haven't noticed. It's not just because this draft class doesn't have a Lafreniere. We're not talking about the tank because I literally don't have it left in my soul to hope for that anymore.
1: No. Um, The nice thing about this, and if we want to talk about it later in this episode or future episode, I'm gladly willing to, but I I don't think it'll be a bad thing to pick four to eight versus one this year because there's a trend I'm noticing. And the more I watch this draft class, this is still getting labeled as a top heavy defense draft. I've still got to put a bit more work into it before I I can confidently throw out like a definitive top 10 ranking right now. But on the sheet that I kind of tinker with as I'm going, my top three are forwards right now. You're going to spoil who they are? If you, Do you want me to spoil who my top three are in no particular order?
2: No, put, Give us in no particular order. Okay. William Eklund,
1: Matt Beneers, Kent Johnson.
2: Okay, fun. We're going to leave it at that, and we'll address it probably in a later episode. Um, yeah, Glenn Denning got hit late in the the Florida game, the first one, and uh, it was uh, the classic. He was moving one way and then cut back the other way at the last second. He was that perfect foot and a half, two feet away from the boards. Mackenzie Wegar, I think is how they pronounce it. Yeah. I always thought it was Wegar. So, Mackenzie Wegar was bearing down on him. Very obviously, Glenn Denning moved last minute, but Wegar still... Plowed him into the boards. Glennie left with a bloodied face, no penalty on the play. Look, I don't think he should have been fined or suspended or, you know, game misconduct or anything, but is the onus still not on the hitter? Like, should that not have been a two minute boarding minor just by rule?
1: Technically, yes. The where the ref's discretion comes into this, and I see why he didn't get a penalty. I haven't even really sure i formed an opinion whether he should have or not it did look like he tried to let up but he just didn't have the space to it, he didn't he didn't finish the check he didn't use his force to propel glendening forward it's it's tough cuz like i i i hate when people put the onus on the the victim in a situation like this but he did stop and turn right into it there's there's a gray area there. I think this is one of those ones. I wouldn't be upset if it got, if that role was reversed and Detroit did get called for it, but I'm also not offended that Florida didn't get called for it. If that makes sense. I, it's, it's rough discretion. Given that you're trying to get shit like that out of the game, I would lean towards, yeah, call it, give them the two minutes. Just be like, come on guys. Like be like, just like a literally be careful. But yeah, I, d- I don't feel like there was anything malicious there.
2: No, and I don't think it was malicious. I think what you the last point you made, Brad, was, was kind of what I want, which is just the two minutes just to instill that sense of ultimate safety in everyone's mind. And yeah, if it, if it affects how you bear down on a guy, then so be it because you don't want to see someone break their neck. You know what would really have stopped it, though? little stop sign patch on the back of his jersey so he (laughs) would
1: i think i've still got a couple jerseys kicking around here with that on them
2: (laughs) oh man and then fast forward to the next game uh michael rasmussen it was wegar right the who he hit
1: i don't know i i have first half of the game i had
2: on in the background at
1: work so i couldn't pay super close attention
2: Someone's coming down the boards. They had their back more or less turned. It was a worse hit in my mind. I, I think that like it got a boarding call and it should have gotten a boarding call where Rasmussen committed earlier and just did like committed, even though the player turned like it was a penalty. Um, and I think it was a retribution thing. And my thing is, hey, that doesn't get that doesn't even happen if you just call the first one. And then they they just the refs let their game get out of hand and they were. Just going after Rasmussen and then cross, like just the obvious cross checks, like the Brad Marchand cross check to someone's like on like exposed forearm after the whistle that just never gets called. I'm like, man, as a referee, that's the easiest thing to do. Call it once. I guarantee you they cut that shit out for the rest of the game, but they just let it happen. They let it go and then they call it letting the boys play, but that's not letting the boys play, right? Like letting the boys play is letting a 50 50 like hook or a hold go in the middle of a high intensity game where it's really close. Like it's not blatant cross checks in front of the net or blatant cross checks after the whistle or punching someone in the jaw and i'm not advocating for like call literally all of it every time it's hockey but i'm saying when you have players drilling other players from behind into the boards you need to take control of the game someone's going to get hurt and also i cannot handle if another red wing breaks their hand in a fight and let
1: me for all the people are saying yeah but this is part of the game the code takes care of this let me let you all in on a little secret here, and I'm, I'll am i be surprised if Ryan and Evan don't agree with me because we've all played high-level hockey. I still play high-level hockey, so I'm well involved in the code. Do you know what the code is? We're going to keep doing dirty shit to each other until the ref steps in. We're going to keep doing violent shit to each other until the ref steps in. It just escalates. Until the ref steps in. The code is a great mentality to have. I want to protect my teammates. I get it. I'm all for it. I love that mentality. But what it actually entails is stupid. This guy almost injured my player or did injure my player. So I'm going to injure him or one of his players. And if the ref doesn't stop it there, guess what? They're going to come back and injure, try to injure one of our players. And it's just this never ending cycle of stupid. Now, sometimes it's a good, clean fight where both guys are agreeing and that's the end of it. Fine. It was a needless fight to happen, but fine. But with the instigator rule yeah, teams aren't always willing to risk that penalty. So they just do shit like Ryan was saying. I'm going to cross-check him when nobody's looking. Oh, he's behind the play? I'm going to stick him in the back of the knee. It's just, it's stupid. It's, I'm, I don't like ref shows. I hate them. Call it once, call it early, and it's done. Don't do it all game. Like, don't call all the ticky-tack shit from opening whistle to the end of the game. But yeah, if Rasmussen calls does something stupid. Okay, I got the penalty. Now if Florida retaliates, hey, stupid, I saw it, I did something about it. Now you're going, dumbass. Okay, whatever. We've got it. It's over with. Let's play hockey. Like it's stupid.
2: Yeah, I I believe it or not, I don't know if you guys knew this, but I did play defense. Um <clears throat> You, there was no, here comes seven. There was no code. There was no code.
0: <laughs> I, I took would, a drink. I was part of the drinking game. <laughs> I would
2: brutalize player, the back of their legs and their ankles until I got called for it. Legitimately, until that referee called me for it, I would not stop. There was a player and I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the, exposing myself as an asshole here but we were in the middle of a heated playoff series and there was a player who got hurt in the first game and did not come back until game seven and it was a pretty like gnarly injury I'm actually really impressed that he came back in game seven I slashed the shit out of him I tripped him while the ref wasn't looking I need him it was like there's no code you're in the it's just violent
1: there is a code because I as a small forward got to deal with pricks like you my entire hockey career (laughs) so you know what I would do I would let you slash me in front of the net. If it didn't call, I would let you leave the zone before me and I'd get you right in the lower back on the way out of the zone. Like it was like clockwork. They never called it. The place at the other end. And even if they did see it, they'd be like, ah, yeah, well, he slashed them. We'll give them this one. It's stupid. The code is stupid. The refs need to ref the game. It's their fucking job.
0: The worst Speaking thing the to game. ever happen was to to expose skin was when they started adding grip to hockey sticks. And oh, the and they became,
1: grind it. Oh.
0: They raid along like your stomach or on your lower <laughs> back where your chest protector doesn't meet, and you go after the game and look in the mirror and it's basically just like road <laughs> like rash. More layers of skin are gone. Uh-oh. Road rash.
1: <laughs> right on the wrist. That was the worst. I'd rather you did it to my back. Ugh
2: um speaking of the game uh red wings open scoring with a really pretty goal larkin had a gorgeous finish the goal it was just prototypical larkin like it's what makes this guy such a great player awesome but wow Giovanni smith handling that puck with what two three defenders around him stick checking him three defenders around him and then like definitely like nicely tucking the puck into his body and just softly sliding up towards larkin i was like that is what i love about Giovanni smith because yeah i think he has a role every day on the fourth line of the red wings but not just because he's a grinder and he's tough and he works hard but because he has skill too and from time to time he'll do things like that love that play same thing as taro hirosi keep Giovanni smith up at least for the fourth line Uh, he's better than whatever other plug you're putting there in my mind
1: yeah so here's the thing we're gonna get into the argument like regardless of who replaces him i don't think val philip or franz nielsen should ever play another nhl game like and it kills me that Blashell's doing this to this team because Val Philpil is one of my favorite Red Wings of the last 20 years. Like, he was one of my favorite players when they made the cup run, and I'm just sick of seeing him because he's not good. Franz Nielsen's even worse. Uh, Darren Helm seems to be losing his speed. So how effective can he be? Now, sorry, Darren Helm stands, but like, the speed was his thing, and I lost him, lo- watched him lose a foot race to Mackenzie Weegar tonight. Like, Javani Smith, and one thing I've got ripped on in the, entirety of this podcast is I say things like, I don't want to see Darren Helm or Adam Ernie or Franz Nielsen on the fourth line anymore. I don't, I'm sick of this concept of a grind line defense only line. And they'd be like, well, Brad, you can't put Tara Hiroshi out there on the fourth line. And yeah, I agree with you mostly on that because there are circumstances where you need a line that can grind. I'm not going to sit here and act like a pure hockey analytics guy that's only skill top to bottom i get it when i say i'm sick of seeing lines like this is because i want to see players who have skill but can also scrap do the dirty stuff do all the things a grinder can do but when the puck's on their stick you know the play's not dead Is there ever a time where Luke Glendening and Darren Helm are running a good cycle, and they do it a lot, where you're even a little optimistic that puck's going in the net? No, because you know that puck's never leaving the boards because they can't. And Giovanni Smith, to me, whether we can argue about whether or not where his skill level is, but Giovanni Smith, what he is as a player, is what a fourth-line grinder should be in the NHL. Because this isn't a guy who exists... Just to piss people off, just to bang bodies in corners, just to, you know, stand in front of the net and take a beating. He can do all those things, but he can make that play. He can have the puck on his stick in traffic And he's got the soft hands to be able to dangle through and manipulate it and make the right pass. He can get in front of the net and not just jam home a rebound. He can pull it to his backhand and go shelf. He can do all those little things. He was over a half a point per game player in the AHL last year. His final season in the OHL, he had like almost a half a goal per game. The dude can play. He's never going to be a 20 goal scorer in the NHL, but if he plays 10 minutes on the fourth line a night, there's a realistic chance that guy finishes the season with 10 to 15 goals like in his prime that's not nothing fourth lines don't score so if you get a guy in your fourth line who could score amazing because look at all the last stanley cup winners for the last i don't know 20 years their fourth line produces and the red wings doesn't so fourth line key to stanley
2: cup brad crisco Put it on a billboard, folks.
1: If you want to get into the semantics of every line matters to win a Stanley Cup. But still, yeah, you need that depth scoring because you know in an important game and in an important series, Dylan Larkin, Anthony Mantha, Tyler Bertuzzi are going to do their thing. The other team's top line, they're going to do their thing too. Those two top lines, they're just trying to trade blows. The depth is what's going to be the difference in a 4-3 win versus a 4-3 loss. So... Again, we can have the argument all day whether or not Giovanni Smith's talent level is high enough to do this effectively for a long time in his career. I wasn't a believer in him two years ago. His skating has come a long way. I could see it now. And the ultimate point to what Ryan's making is there is, as a rebuilding team especially, but on any NHL team, there is zero, and I mean literally zero reasons A Darren Helm, a Val Filippola, or a Franz Nielsen should be in the lineup over Giovanni Smith now. The Red Wings are the second oldest team in the league, and they're rebuilding. Eisenman has done great work, but you can't tell me that's not a problem in a rebuild. So if we can get more minutes for Hirose, for Rasmussen, for Smith, Asterix, providing they're doing their job, which they are, which is why we're having this conversation, they should not come out of this lineup.
2: Um, I also like him, and this is the rock 'em sockham hockey coming out in me. I do like the fact that he is anytime there's any kind of like running altercation, like for example, the Rasmussen thing when Florida was perfectly fine with Weegar drilling Glendenning, but the moment it was their guy, it was, you know, hell or high water. They were going to murder a Red Wing. Uh, yeah, Rasmussen had to work to stay out of it because he's a big guy but doesn't mean he's a fighter. I love that Giovanni Smith is in there and I cannot believe I'm saying this like Toronto first name bunch of numbers twitters is, is like being channeled in this but it is good to to know that it might not have to be the Rasmussen's the Manthas the Larkins to step up and fight first. Notably nobody seems to want to take Giovanni Smith up on his offers. He's been very generous and offering it to a lot of people, but I digress. So uh,
1: you want to see a part where the code would have actually worked in this weekend for as stupid as it is, there's a scenario here where this could have all ended yesterday. Uh, if Blashill had put Giovanni Smith in the lineup for Saturday's game, if Smith is on the ice with Rasmussen and that hit happens and Giovanni Smith looks over and he doesn't see a hand in the air, he can go up there and attempt to beat the shit out of McKenzie Wegar and it ends there. Now, whether or not Wegar accepts is a whole other thing. But still, he can be there. If Wegar answers the bell, it's done. That also ends it. There's going to be no retribution. That it, that's how it works. Like again, it's stupid, but that's how it works. That would have ended it, but nobody stepped up for uh, Glendenning when it happened.
2: Nobody, not one person. And don't think I didn't notice that. So uh, the Red Wings lost their lead off two power play goals. Florida's rolling on their power play, but wow, the penalty kill was atrocious. I think um, Ekblad's goal was extre- extremely weak from Grice. I know it's we the, the broadcast said he was screened, but it was hardly a screen. You don't get beat low glove, I think, from there. I don't know. I just wasn't too impressed by that. But still, the penalty kill was atrocious. It, it really cost the team, special teams in general. But I want to talk about the power play because they did a little bit better today. Um, tonight, I should say, with no results. But overall, it's still really bad. Prashant had a fantastic thread on Twitter, if you guys want to get into some like actual schematics. Um, but just to break it down, there's no... <sighs> Brad, can, if you can, while I'm talking, pull up the blashill quote. I don't know if you have it. I think I tweeted it out. Was point. it about Larkin and Mantha, that the one you're talking about? No, no. I'll, I'll, I'll pull it up. Okay, because that one was bad. It was... It, it's... The power play, like we've mentioned before, doesn't have any kind of real system. It doesn't have any kind of logical motion. There's nobody generating space. There's nobody moving into open lanes. The puck movers don't seem to be moving in the right direction. And even when they are, their teammates are either absolutely stationary, like completely stationary to the point where you're like, who glued your skates to the ice there? Or. They're bringing the defense towards the puck carrier. It's like, why are you collapsing on your own puck? You're in the offensive zone. Spread out, generate space. You have an entire zone to spread out in. And I didn't like it, it reads honestly like there is no system, there's no schematic or anything like that. There's nothing, there's no play that they're trying to generate out there. And then there's a quote. Prashanth initially tweeted out the entire thing, and I just zeroed in on this one line that Blashill said. Ultimately, power plays aren't a whole bunch of schematics. It's about going out and executing and making plays. What are the plays, Jeff? What are the plays? Tell me. There are no plays. There's no plays. If you Today ha- was the best one. Today was the best iteration of the power play I've seen in some time. And I think that's largely like 90% because of, of Taro Horosi. I'm not even kidding. If you
1: have Connor McDavid, Leon Drysaddle, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and Tyson Berry on a power play unit. And your game plan is let them go out, fuck around, and see what happens. I'm all for it. Those are players who have the talent, creativity, and skill to do whatever the hell they want on a power play and make it work. The Red Wings don't have that for as good as Larkin and Manta are. They are not Connor McDavid. And they don't have a hell of a lot around them of other players who are willing to do that. I'm so angry that Blashill said that after I literally went on a rant last episode of when you're bad, you have to manufacture offense Do you know how you manufacture offense? Get a power play and use your schematics. I'm going to use that word because you did, Jeff. This is, if you're just going to let them go out there and play hockey, what the hell is your job? (laughs) Like, it is your job as a coach to make up plays and teach the players how to execute them. Now, I will give them credit, but this is also going to be a backhanded insult. You could tell they tried something because maybe this is just because Hirose tried it once with uh, Rasmussen and Bobby Ryan and it almost worked. So it looks like the coaching staff said, hey, do that more. Where well, Horosi had it on the half wall, Rasmussen would kind of creep out from the front of the net and Bobby Ryan would slide into the bumper. So it would be a down low pass right into the slot. I mean, every NHL team uses this and the Red Wings just discovered it this week, but whatever. They tried it. And it almost worked a couple times, but then it was all they tried. So like, Hey, we tried something that was planned and it almost worked. So let's do it so much that they know that's coming now. There's, if you want to break it down to the Red Wing, what the was wrong. Ultimately with the Red Wings power play is they're stationary and there's no creativity. The defense doesn't af- ever have to abandon their box because the Red Wings never attempt to make a seam pass. The penalty kill can cheat because when Anthony Mantha's on the ice, you know the game plan is just to try and tee him up for a one timer. And I'm not saying don't tee Anthony Mantha up for a one timer, but if that's the only option, it's super easy to defend. That's why I'm saying. I'm happy that they put Taro Hiroshi on his power play unit, but at the same time, to be a little critical of Taro, this is why he needs to develop a shot. Because when they give him the space on the left side, every once in a while, he has to shoot that. Because if he starts shooting that, they can't cheat away from him. And guess what? If he's pulling players to his side of the ice, it means Anthony Mantha's side of the ice gets a little more space. And he's the guy you want shooting. herosi could never score a goal from that spot. But if he's shooting it enough, they have to play it. And it could the same thing could work. If you have Heronic at the top of that umbrella and they cheat to Manta and then pull a guy herosi there's no reason Heronic shouldn't be able to walk that puck 10 steps in from the middle of the blue line and that's a damn good spot to be taking a point shot from if you're going to take a point shot but the thing is there's no options on the power play it's a one trick pony and that trick isn't working
2: i mean it mostly not even kidding we haven't heard evan's thoughts on what he thinks the power play should be doing we, we don't know what he thinks that they, they should be changing. Nothing like that. I genuinely believe if we gave him like eight days to just run the power play unit as it did as, or as he wants, the, the power play percentage would go up.
0: For a, a, a league that's based around copycat, you think Detroit would just look at the effective power plays and attempt to replicate those oh. even without some skill? Eventually, you would have success.
1: Um, What was it? Max tweeted a horrifying stat tonight that expected goals at five on five, expected goals for and against at five on five, excluding special teams. The Red Wings damn near lined up identically with the Washington Capitals so far this season. The Washington Capitals, who I don't place, right? Yeah. First place who have not lost a game in regulation. The difference between the Red Wings and the Capitals, the Capitals have the best power play in the league. The Red Wings have one of the worst. There's your difference between thirtieth place and first.
0: Special teams. That that's the the statistically the only difference between those two teams. Well, why are we now? wasting all this time on draft analysis then? <laughs> that's the only thing. We should just be a power play analysts.
2: Well, then I think you that's why you draft Michael Rasmussen ninth overall and we've just come f- full circle.
0: Oh
1: boy, did we just justify the Rasmussen pick? <laughs>
2: Uh, I think it's time to shut down the podcast, boys. You know what was depressing about what Evan just said? Usually when teams are uh, like overly guilty of trying to become a, a copycat team in a copycat league, whenever that doesn't work, the criticism is, hey, you're trying to do something that you do not have the personnel to do. And we are so desperate for anything at this point, we're saying, please just try to copy a team that's way better than you, because it can't be worse than this.
1: No, and... Again, I'm gonna I'm gonna veer off special teams for a little bit to kind of explain why what you're saying actually makes sense. So our biggest gripe don't sound so surprised. <laughs> no, but you're basically saying, hey Detroit, why aren't you trying to be the Capitals? Which sounds absolutely stupid to say because we know the Red Wings are bad relative to the rest of the league. But for the fir- through the first seven games of the season, up until the last game against Dallas. The entire fan base was screaming, screaming on Twitter to stop the dump and chase. We've had enough. This is garbage hockey for garbage people. It isn't working. And two, I don't know if it was the players just YOLOing it or if it was a coaching directive. The two games against Florida. There was a very noticeable shift in their transition game where the Red Wings were trying to gain the zone with possession a lot more. Larkin was taking it over the zone. Hirose, Nemesnikov, Brome. It wasn't just Larkin and Mantha going, hey, we're going end-to-end because we can. The whole team, save for the fourth line and like Glendening, were very obviously trying to make an effort to control the puck on entry. It is not a coincidence that the team vastly improved at five on five over those two games. That is directly one of the reasons, if not the main reason, the Red Wings had much more success, even though they lost the games against Florida than they did against Dallas and Columbus and Carolina and all the garbage hockey we saw leading up to it. They, Vlad Nemesnikov is an average NHLer at best. He had several clean zone entries. The Red Wings, Anthony Mantha's goal in the Saturday night game, directly off a clean zone entry with possession. They didn't need to set up a cycle. It led to a goal. Dylan Larkin's goal tonight, directly off a clean zone entry by Giovanni Smith that we already referenced. It didn't even lead to a cycle. It led straight to a goal because you are allowed to score goals off the rush in the NHL. Can't bank on it, but it's great when it happens. And the only way you're going to do it is by keeping the puck. So when we say the Red Wings power play should try to punch above its weight class, it's because it can. Because they're doing it at five on five right now and they're doing it effectively. Again, relative to the rest of the league, they're not gaining the zone like the Oilers do or the Hurricanes. I understand this. But they improved upon themselves dramatically just by changing that one thing they were in both games with florida even though their special teams were still ungodly bad so if they keep doing that at five on five and they try something new in the power play and it clicks even just a marginally better now we're talking about a team that isn't the laughing stock of the league legitimately they could Steal a couple games here. They could hang with the big guys. They're doing a pretty good job, actually, for all the pooping we've done on this team all year. Five-on-five defense has actually been pretty good. They're not giving up a ton of chances. Nowhere near what they did last year. When Mark Stahl's not on the ice, dare I say they've been an above-average defensive team this year. Uh,
2: Mark Stahl always looks baffled by the play he's made. He's always like, oh. Who did that? Wait, it was me? <laughs> oh. oh, it wasn't me. No. But,
1: yeah, uh, I'm not going to harp on Mark Stahl because we all know. We all watch again. He's, mm. But, yeah, so I'm just saying, try to punch above your weight class. Jesus Christ is the NHL. Ryan's right. And I feel dirty saying that.
2: Yeah, well, welcome to the show. Um, the game obviously finished with Detroit uh, down by a goal. Mantha. Uh, scored again late, which was good. I thought Mantha had another game that was much more like what we've known from Anthony Mantha. So it's good to see those wheels start turning again. Um, the Red Wings play next on Wednesday uh, at 5:30 Eastern. We're going to be recording directly after that game, so we'll be with you post game on that. Um, yeah, some news from around Europe, and we're going to get into uh, more in- more into depth into, uh, on these players in future episodes as well, but just to kind of touch on them, um, Mort Sider had a fantastic game. I think it was a goal and two assists, and then in a hit that just he got tangled up with another player, crashed into the boards, and then it's the the, the silver lining of hearing game sounds with no fans. You heard Mort Sider screaming in pain on the ice, which I could only listen to that once. It was just awful to listen to. Uh, He's taken to hospital. Um, and fortunately it seems that nothing was broken, but they do anticipate him missing a considerable amount of time. I've seen the word precaution thrown around there because Rogla is a top team. And so they anticipate him, uh, being back for playoffs, but it's not good. Obviously it's not good. It's decidedly bad actually when, when, uh, your top prospect or when your top prospects has a terrible injury like that, but counting ourselves very fortunate that nothing was broken there. Um, Valeno has had a nice little string of games. He's continued to look impressive. We've talked about Valeno where if you just give him time to get settled into a system, he really heats up, and that's what he's been doing with Malmo. And Jonathan Berggren actually had a highlight real goal today where he hung uh, onto the puck circling around the zone, much like that Gus Nyquist goal where he circled twice in overtime a few years back. It's pretty nostalgic, actually. Um, I'm excited for all three of those guys to come in. I, I know it'll be some time before they make it, to detroit like all but i'm very excited for all three of them to come in
1: yeah oh my god am i ever uh cider pro with the injury probably not happening this year unfortunately um berger definitely not playing in detroit this year I'd be surprised if he plays in even grand rapids but i hope he does valeno might uh i don't know how i feel about what to do with valeno when his swedish season ends just because We've talked before about how Valeno is always just so slow to transition to a new league, but when he gets it, he gets it. And it looks like he he gets the SHL now. If he plays six, five, six games in Detroit this year, he's going to struggle. Uh, I don't know if just getting the taste is beneficial, so maybe it eases his transition next season or whenever he comes up. Looking at the roster next year, I, they might have to put Valeno on the team next year whether or not whether they want to or not. So yeah, maybe you get him his feet wet this year. I don't know. I don't know, but it's that, uh, setup he had to Matt Pumple. feels like we're talking about a Griffins game yeah, for real, where he went backhand under the de- triangle of the defenseman's stick, and then immediately made a cro- uh, through traffic pass into the middle lane for a goal. That's not a play more than four players can make on the Red Wings right now. So yeah, it was exciting to see, um, I don't expect Volendo to ever light up the score sheet, but hey, you make plays like that often enough. You're gonna help a team win a few games.
2: Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think I think with the team as it is right now, I think we might be surprised by the impact Volano could make earlier than anticipated. But at the same time, it's all about balancing what we want to see and just the endorphins we're looking to kind of pump into ourselves and what's best for the player, right? Like we care about this year right now. Next year, we should not give a damn about the season because, again, as much as it's painful to say because we've had far too many of them now, it's a rebuilding season. So if you're not 100% sure that Villano ready, then, yeah, it's. I tend to, to fall into the same category where it's like only do it if it makes complete sense. And if it doesn't, stick them in the A. Um, I'm going to do you guys a favor.
1: That's some phrasing.
2: Anyways. <laughs> uh, I'm going to do you guys a favor. I'm going to skip my NHL TV rant.
1: Hell, Yeah. You're welcome, I'm, everybody.
2: I'm going to give a very quick spark notes on the Tony D'Angelo uh, situation because it's still unfolding. Uh, Tony D'Angelo, uh, if anyone who exists um, online, TM, knows who Tony D'Angelo is, uh, got waived by the Rangers today. And the way it was phrased by the organization it, is that it wasn't just because of one situation, which I'll touch on in a second. It was a series of situations and, and behavioral stuff and everything like that. Um, Tony D'Angelo is a player. You think of what Brendan Smith was and mul- like amplify it. Like, yeah, great, generates a lot of offense, absolutely garbage on defense. Um, does it really make sense that he's on waivers? Not counting his god awful start to the season? No, but when you, uh, punch your goalie, he punched Georgiev after a game. And then the theory is Kreider came and clocked him in the face after. I think that's what the, the rumor is right now. But for sure, it's been confirmed that there was an altercation between him and Georgiev. <laughs> And it's nothing to do with the guy's politics. Like that's not what we're, we care about here. But he's the behavioral stuff has been there his entire career. He's been suspended multiple times, more than once by his own coach for using slurs in junior hockey. Coming up through uh, development, the guys had opportunities left and right. And I'm not even going to dive into the the dumb shit he's gotten into online. And again, it's not about the politics. It's about how he engages online. Like. He's had a million chances. I'm surprised it took this long. And really, if you're gonna if you're gonna be that kind of person and come in and have a god awful start to the season that you did, I'm not surprised you got waived. And frankly, if you're gonna punch your team's goalie, you should expect one of the leaders of your team to knock you the hell out. I I I don't know that that's actually what happened. Maybe it was Georgiev who punched him, but regardless, there was an altercation, and the team didn't waive Georgiev, did they? No is d'angelo's gone and it seems like it was just a straw that broke the camel's back a lot of this is still uh uncorroborated and unconfirmed so we're gonna wait to see before talking about it more i'm sure we're gonna have overtime questions about it as well i don't know if you guys have anything to add in before we jump well, to overtime
1: i'll address the elephant in the room because as a player tony d'angelo fills a pretty big need for what the red wings are currently lacking. And a few people asked uh, on Twitter about whether the Red Wings should pick him up, and the answer is absolutely not. Good God, no! Keep this player away from the Red Wings with a thousand foot pull. Let's already forget. Not forget. Steve Eiserman drafted this guy in the first round of the NHL draft, and then two years later traded him for a second round pick. I don't think Eiserman's gonna bring him back. It seems like that ship has sailed. So. I hope he doesn't. I don't need that kind of drama in my life.
2: A lot of people say, um, oh, just because he's an awful person doesn't mean he can't be a good hockey player. And you know what? Sad- very, very sadly, that's true. But when you're an awful person to the point where it affects hockey, not even your own play, but your teammates play. Yeah. the character who, The character of who you are is now reason to have you on the team or not if you were one of the people who didn't care about the kind of person he is as well. I personally care about the quality of character of, of uh, the players on teams. Uh, I don't expect everyone to be Mother Teresa, but I expect them to be a hell of a lot better than Tony D'Angelo. But even if you could see it past all that, which I, I, we're just not the same people, but what I'll move on. If you're going to punch a goaltender, if you're going to punch your own damn goalie, get the hell out like just get the hell out not interested in having him in detroit i hope to hell that no team makes a mistake of picking him up but if it's detroit yeah i'm not even gonna go through that hypothetical anyways yeah he'll have a great career in metalurg Magnitogorsk. yeah if he doesn't get picked up through waivers you just know that's what's gonna happen
1: oh he's a thousand percent going to russia hopefully georgiev doesn't have any friends on whatever team he goes to
2: yeah all right uh we're gonna jump into overtime Uh, where overtime is just going to be 75 people uh dissecting evan's character and uh quality of person in essence for about two hours no i'm kidding overtime is the segment on air where we read read out fan questions and comments uh primarily from patreon where our patrons are the people who support the show uh they're the ones who make this show possible and they're the reason we've been coming up on near six years guys six years soon
0: that is insane that's next. It month. feels long and short, all at the same time. Hundred percent. Like the Red Wings were in the playoffs when we started this. <laughs> uh, it, okay, it feels long. Never mind. We
1: we've covered two playoff series on this podcast. I'm What's sure the stand?
0: takes during I'm sure the takes during those playoff series were
1: horrible.
2: Ugh. I was thinking about it. I would. Brad, what do you think comes first? We we're covering a we're covering a Red Wings playoff game again. Or one of myself or Evan have kids. <laughs> that's tough, right?
1: I have zero faith in either of these things. So
0: <laughs> as you should, as you should, as you should,
1: uh, I have more faith in you guys screwing up. So yeah, I'm going to go with you guys having kids.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how you know the stage of fatherhood Brad's at where it's uh, it's labeled as a screw up. <laughs>
0: i'm on record as
2: saying if i have another kid it wasn't planned (laughs) (laughs) um we're gonna start with honestly selfishly brad i love your kids to death but if we have to navigate another stage where your kids learn how to use doorknobs i don't know how the podcast will survive (laughs) 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 <laughs> We're going to start on Patreon with Joey Bag of Donuts, who says, Tony D'Angelo, do we even kick the tires, or is he just that shitty a person to contaminate the locker room? He could immediately quarterback that abysmal power play. I understand the sentiment, but yeah, in our opinion, it's stay the hell away.
1: And we we also didn't even ma- mention that Eisman's on record as saying like character and competitiveness are like, he won't even entertain drafting a player if they don't meet those requirements, so... You know what? That might be his Tony D'Angelo rule, honestly. <laughs> he implemented that after
2: that. Pick, who knows? But yeah, I no. No. Wouldn't be surprised. Uh give Bert the A slash fireblash slash retirement for stall, and that's from Matt Keeler. Uh Ryan Hubbard says since his less than stellar start, would the chances what would the chances be to sit Hronic for say Lindstrom just to see uh what a rest might do to help? As always, let's go Red Wings.
1: He looked a little better today. Um I mean the dude still has five points in nine games. Um, he's been bad. I'm not trying to justify it, but he's not been bad enough to justify a scratch over uh, Stahl or Nemeth or DeKaiser. Like,
2: Heronik's still comfortably a top three defenseman on this team, despite the struggles this year. Uh, Cnod says, anyone else is tired of seeing Stahl get walked? Oh well you got a lot more games this season yeah also we talk a lot about blash getting the boot but can we talk about a change with assistance power play looked okay but besides that horrible um look in my mind if Blash goes the assistants do too i don't want to see dan Bylsma with his version of this power play running the team either if it's either they all stay or they all go um goes on to say also i propose the next wing to win each trophy and i think you guys overlook cider's chance at the calder Correct me if I'm wrong, but he should still be eligible assuming he doesn't get the early knockout in the SHL. No, you're right, and I actually can't remember the conditions of that hypothetical, and the most likely, likely thing is that we just screwed up the rules, because we tend to do that.
1: I thought, didn't we pick Lucas Raymond for Calder?
2: Yeah, and maybe it was, I don't think it was yeah. a knock against Cider. No,
1: it's, it's not. Raymond. My argument there would be that as good as Mo Cider is, Lucas Raymond's ceiling is way higher. So, if we're talking about the odds of them winning a major award, the only advantage Cider has on Raymond is that he's probably going to get first crack at it, but he's still uh, a long shot to win it because he's going to be going up against a lot of good rookies, but there's not going to be that clear-cut Lafrenier Hughes-level draft pick
2: this year, so he's got better odds than I think we
1: did give him credit for.
2: Third man in says, I had a question about why Blashill is taking so much heat when most of the time it's Bosma special teams units. Uh, Right now, until I saw his quote about how our power plays aren't a bunch of schematics, and I respectfully withdraw my question and yield the balance of my time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cody Stark says it's been 13 years since Brock Nelson scored four on me in War Road, but we still won five four. Good times. Hope you guys are doing well. I can't figure out if it's the high school team I'm coaching or the Red Wings that are giving me gray hairs at age 31. I haven't been getting to watch games live because of coaching. What four checks are they running? Different for each line?
1: Uh before this weekend it was literally chip and chase with zero support, turnover, chance the other way. It was horrific.
2: There is a there. There does seem to be a little bit more structure when it's Mantha's line. I'm finding now that Mantha's skating well again. They seem to not just be blindly dumping it in so much. Um, There's almost like the support forwards behind Mantha are actually anticipate him winning the puck, either off a clean zone entry or just a quick bounce off the boards. It's not always effective, but they are trying some things.
1: I almost I I didn't. I had uh, Hank in my lap, so I didn't really have access to my phone, but I. I had the funniest zone entry of all time where it was – or saw the funniest zone entry of all time tonight where it was Hiroshi coming along the left half wall and he held on to it for as long as he could before he – Realized he really didn't have any options, so he was just going to dump it in, and for the record, that is the only time you should ever dump it in, except he fed it right into the boots of the Florida defenseman, and the Florida defenseman turned, Horosi grabbed the puck, went around him, and got a clean entry out of it, and all I could think of was that Windows meme where it just says, task failed successfully.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh mickey's ginger ale says hey fellas is it me or did we just look like a semi-competent team ryan i got back into f1 this year thanks for that Hey, more sports who do you think has the best chance of being on top next season it's going to be mercedes red bull i think mclaren's going to probably challenge and i think you're going to be surprised by how much ferrari comes back as well but it's going to be mercedes um also i got back into moto gp i recommend it it's basically f1 on two wheels also a good time to get into it as a lot of the older riders are starting to retire Question, what coach would you like, uh, Gronberg, Larionov, or Gallant, and why? Thanks for the pod, guys, and let's go Red Wings. Yes. I genuinely don't care.
1: Yeah, no, it's, I'm at the point where, again, I just, I hate being so negative to one person all the time, but it's like, literally anybody but him and Babcock.
2: Um, Evan, it is Garrett. TV says I love the coaches wearing masks because we don't have to look at all the stupid faces Blashill makes. Oh, I didn't even that's where I'm oh, at
0: that. Yeah.
1: Oh, that's amazing! I am gonna appreciate every minute of that now. Thank you for reminding
2: me. uh I kind of miss them, and also Blashill always pulls down his mask to talk.
1: Yeah, what is the effing point of a mask if you come up to me in public with a mask on and pull it down to talk? I am going to kick you in the dick. <laughs> and let's Taylor. not and let's not forget Marco Rossi's season just ended due to COVID nineteen complications. Where is his whole at? season, yeah. He I saw I, he's been sent home to Austria, and there was one report. Don't know if it's been confirmed that yeah he's his season's over. He's because he had COVID nineteen in November, oh. and so his complications are must be pretty bad, and they're still persisting. So
2: yeah. Wear your goddamn mask, Taylor Tadgel says. Uh, the game has 13 minutes left as I write this. Bromay game winner calling it. Did it work? He deserves a goal so badly. Uh, nope, it did not. Taylor, sorry, but Bromays do. If he uh, the the Crossbar he hit in the first game and the one
1: hander he almost had against Bobrovsky, if those two go in, those are the two nicest goals of the year. This dude
2: deserves one. Uh, the call-ups, Smith and Hiroshi have looked m- so much better than the vets. Should you move Smith up the lineup if Bird is out long-term? Um, I'd say keep Smith in the bottom six, and if anything, slot Hiroshi higher up. Uh, hunter hunter saunders says remember when helm at least had speed between his age slash natural regression and the overall improvement of most people skating his superiority has diminished greatly anyways keep taco smith and moose and launch phil franz and the coaches to the moon with the diamond hands and rocket emojis very topical hunter thank you <laughs> uh nick zonka says do you guys know where to find authentic shl jerseys for sale mm-hmm. i'm thinking i need to grab a Moside Rogla or jersey but i'm having a hard time finding a good source all the best i've looked for authentic shl jerseys as well and i can't really find don't them.
0: they just sell them on the shl league website
2: not really you can get like screen printed replicas some places but it's all very shady. okay
0: here's gonna be a dumb question even the
1: screen printed le- replicas do they come with the ads and everything oh yeah good because i i, I couldn't fathom i wouldn't know what jersey. the jerseys are
0: otherwise yeah, yeah exactly like i need
1: what they wear on the ice
2: it's like, like post Malone with none of the face tattoos. Because
1: we talked about this a while ago. Like if the Red Wings get like a little Caesars logo on the shoulder like one day, I will only buy a jersey at that point with a stupid little Caesars logo. <laughs>
2: uh ghost of podcast past says what players p- past or present would be a worse addition to the Red Wings locker room than Tony D'Angelo. <laughs> By the way, if anything, if anyone of you think we should claim him, you're not good people. Who's worse than D'Angelo? There's plenty of people who are awful. Sean Avery. I don't I, I don't know that Sean Avery is has done what Tony D'Angelo has done. No, but just from being a, and he was a Red Wing. Don't forget.
1: Yeah, that. yeah, and he wasn't. He wasn't one for very long. Don't think that's a coincidence.
2: I um, mean, if you, for I, I always get shit on for this, but so are we? A, are we hockey talking legend? Because you're gonna people. If you look into Bobby Hall's history, it's not. Yeah, pretty.
1: that's where I was going. I'm like, are we just talking about who they are as people? Because Bobby Hall would be very high on this list
2: uh dalton moore says long time no comment i missed most of the wings game uh games working nights but i've seen these two still 15 left in the third as i write this so who knows how it'll end just want to stop in and say thanks for keeping us sane during yet another bound to be disappointing season also the griffins started practicing so that's exciting what are the chances they're good this season i haven't taken stock of the ahl no nope. um it depends on what players make it back to the griffins i feel like who stays in Europe and who makes it over. That'll make a big, big difference. If they get cider sooner, if they bring Berggren over, I don't know what that looks like. If Valeno comes back like that, that'll make, that'll dictate a lot of that. Uh, AJ Voss says, I'll never understand why part of our fan base feels the need to pick uh, one of our good players just to hate for some reason. Mantha now, it was Howard before him, it was Fedorov in the 90s. I can't comprehend the logic of hoping for one of our better players to fail. I get some people like being contrarian assholes, but I really wish they take that toxicity to Toronto where it belongs. It's the contrarian assholes exist in every walk of life and you just have to get used to it. There's people who doesn't matter what the opinion is, and it doesn't matter whether it deserves a dose of critical thinking or constructive criticism or not, they will be contrarian assholes and and that's all there is to it. And the worst part is when they're right about one minor thing, they turn into a big straw man argument and all of a sudden, Mantha, in their words, is the worst player in the league and deserves to be traded. Don't yeah. worry about them.
1: Yeah, Mantha, he's, I mean, say what you want. He's played, uh, he started this season playing the worst hockey of his career and he still has six points in 10 games. Like. You want you want to get rid of Mantha? You want to see what this offense looks like without him? He is still tied for third or sorry, is third on scoring in this team.
2: I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This could get Adam- ugly fast without him. <laughs> Adam Kousert says, a few quick takeaways. Uh, I love Bromane. I can't wait till he gets his first goal. Eisman told Horosi if he shoots the puck, he's never playing an NHL game again. <laughs> Firk D'Angelo. And why were you guys acting like Evan isn't one of the billionaires losing money from GME? <laughs> <laughs> I'm certainly not. Evan's the man. Take him down. Evan's just out here trying to make a living. Is that what that guy tweeted? Oh, man. Slava Kozlov's doppelganger says, well, it's nice to know that uh, now you have two patrons who have Kozlov as a last name or was it his grandmother? I don't remember. But I think it's time to bring up the uh, should Slava Kozlov be in the Hall of Fame convo. The man's played over a thousand games in the NHL plus another 200 in the K after his NHL career scored 853 points. But let's be honest, he could have broken a thousand if he hadn't played 10 for the best team uh, that decade. He was super clutch, played until the age of 43, and all that after he suffered a horrific and life-threatening car accident in Russia that killed his teammate. If I remember, uh, he had to leave facial uh, reconstruction surgery, or he had to have that surgery. I know the doctor says it's not the Hall of Very Good, but I believe Kozlov wasn't just very good, but borderline elite.
1: I love Kozlov. I will respectfully disagree. Um, Just looking quickly here. He never had a single season in the NHL where he registered a point per game, and he did play uh, in the early 90s where that was very much possible. I I mean, if a guy like Patrick Eliash gets in, yeah, there's no reason Kozlov shouldn't, but those guys don't get in. And I know you said like it's not the Hall of Very Good, but truly it's not the Hall of Very Good. I mean, I love... Kozlov, i mean i'm the guy on here who argues osgood shouldn't be in the hall for the same reasons it's yeah i just i i can't see it
2: jake jarvis oh no says loving the stafford golf trade so glad your lions took little jared off my rams hands enjoy that ryan look i don't care about Goff. he's a stopgap they can cut him after two seasons with no dead money thank you for the two first round picks please treat matt well i can't stay on this topic any longer or i'll cry uh, evan beckner says rass has earned a full-time spot looking great this season also can we start a gofundme to buy bromay a goal <sighs> please honestly
1: rass has been uh, fine i would yeah he's i've liked great. him great he's, he's been fine i don't like i don't like him at center I'll, I'll still stand by that but he's been fine
2: i think he's been sufficient in terms of what we expected from him he's been sufficient i am whelmed uh callan sitzkowski says is there a cider update yep he's just out more to come nothing's broken thankfully um joe delia says sup guys i'm over it when's the draft this is a scheduled post connor Leighton says wheel team bad stall bad bro may please score uh jonathan pennock says a couple tough losses lately i feel for grice passes into skates and shots into bodies are driving me crazy though also how is it so easy easy for teams to smother us up and down the ice and why can't we do the same age speed scheme all of the above is correct jonathan
1: again outside of when mark stalls on the ice i actually think the Red Wings have been doing a pretty good job of that stifling the other team's uh, offense
2: uh la plata peak says competitive games against florida according to blash he's done his job i guess mm. Mm. uh red wings relativity scale says feels like it's past time for stall to, to develop an allergy to his pads <laughs> and last patreon comment before some reddit and twitter says is uh, from tyrone biggum's brand big bag of earwax and lube keeping it normal says, well, 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 I thought benching Mantha for two games would get him to score many goals, but nah, can't wait for Sider's NHL start. Um, Okay, some Reddit questions. Um, Winged Squeeger says, regarding Tony D, I'm sure you guys have talked about it, yeah, but what a freaking asshole. Honestly, the stuff that came out before his career and is coming out now is pretty bad. Um, And then the WHL barstool feud. God, I'm not even going to touch that. Anything – any one of those feuds is just an absolute just, nightmare. I want nothing to, to do with it.
1: Support women's hockey. I'll leave my statement at that. I'm literally wearing a PWHPA shirt today.
2: Support women's <laughs> hockey. Um, do, 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 Nerf Airstrike Commander says, what do you think is the chance some team offers something up from Glenn Denning? His face-off numbers are unreal, and he's still at least adequate on PK and 5-on-5. Five five. Obviously, he need to keep the face-off numbers up, but so far I wouldn't be surprised if some teams are scouting him based on that alone.
1: Oh, yeah. Teams. Everybody overvalues face off so much this could be found money for the red wings because glenn denning's fine he's one of the grinders on the red wings that i actually wouldn't mind if if he stuck around the catch 22 on that is the guys generally who you don't mind if they stick around are the guys who will actually get something in trade so as much as i love glennie yeah uh, there's a good chance that they could sell high on him this year um as a rental and if
2: their quarantine issues aren't a big problem sure uh twitter questions hashtag ask wwp randy zick asks uh when is zadina coming back zadina should friday. be good for friday fabry ernie gagne and merrill should be good for wednesday that's the plan that was the latest update um fainting jay goat Esquire says, I really like Heronic, but he needs to move the puck. Every time he gets it, he shoots low percentage shots, even on the man advantage. It was six on five with plenty of space, and he shoots and turns a puck over. It reminds me of Michael Samuelson, which is not bad, but pick your chances. It's a good assessment, honestly. Um, and one more question here let's go with this one from Sean Morgan says at what point in a rebuild does a losing culture outweigh draft picks do we keep blast get- again guarantee a shot at top picks for the next few years and what are the lasting impacts the Oilers come to mind yeah I WWP
1: yeah it matters always Um, losing culture again we mentioned it for a different reason earlier it doesn't matter if you lose a game 7-3 or 4-3 it's the same in the standings so let's lose more games 4-3 um, again, if you're team tank, this was the perfect weekend. One point out of a possible four, but the Red Wings looked like a competent NHL team in both games. So, w- more of this is exactly what you want. You want them to win some games semi-frequently just to, again, keep the confidence up. And the reason why I advocate for getting Blashill the hell out of, Dodge, out, out of here now is is because bad habits do set in and they are hard to break. I don't want a team to default to chip and chase. I don't want a player that that's his first instinct. Because even if he doesn't do it, if that's his first thought, it puts him a step behind the play because he's got to be like, oh, wait, no, I don't want to do that. What else do I have available to me? Um, That's one example. There's a million examples of like guys can get stagnant on the power play. They can think low percentage shots are what coaches like, all, all that Dumb stuff, bad habits are hard to break. And you can already see for some of even the Red Wings good players, they just have some habits that drive you nuts. And I'm hoping a new coach can beat that out of them.
2: All right. And with that, we're going to wrap up this episode. Uh, Thank you all for tuning in. Um, There's going to be more to come later this week. Uh, Episode Wednesday, some goodies, some Patreon exclusives before that. Oh, yeah. Uh, You guys kept asking. I'm doing it. And uh, some possibly other, uh, some possible other exciting news might come out before then. So stay tuned. But for now, we want to thank all of you for listening. Uh, all of our name level sponsors, um, Arjun Shanker, Yves Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Taylor Tagel, uh, Ryan Hubbard, RA, Zach Spring, Citizen High Five, Cody Stark, Greech, Jeremiah Dobo, Jake Kiefer, Tyrone Bigum, Brand, Big Bag Ole, of earwax and lube. I'm sorry, you keep mixing up the order there. Andrew Bohan, Scott Martin, Jacob Turner, Matt McKay, Craig Kibble, Brandon M, Matthew M Rice, Luke Johnson, Kaylin Wood, Hassam Al-Kasim, Hanali, Sam Bankson, uh, Kevin McCracken, Kevin, welcome, new uh, new name level sponsor, Zach Van, welcome. Josh Yelton, Trevor Pevovar, Evans Bingo Card, Ashley Van Conant, Red Wings Relativity Scale, uh, Connor Leighton, Danny Jr., Peg Crisco. <laughs> <laughs> and I am announcing my retirement from the
1: Wing Podcast. Bye, everybody.
2: <laughs> Matt Keeler, Mike and Tony's House of Unfiltered PPT, <laughs> Antonio Gracias, John Evans, Joseph Minema, Quaz, Stan Olson, out Al- and uh that's all. I'm sorry. You guys are hysterical. Thank you. We'll talk Wednesday.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at wingedwheelpod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna, WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.